And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by StravaCraft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life-altering StravaCraft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons, and on this episode... We're going to take a look back, but also a look forward as we analyze the 2010 Colorado Rockies, one of the most interesting squads of all time. And actually, Patrick, I think there are a lot of parallels to where the team is at right now, both for the better and for the worse. So we're going to be able to dive into all of that. I did, before we jump into that, want to get into a quick conversation about Theo Epstein, uh, now get a made-up title, but he's helping to make baseball better. I believe the official title is please try to guide the game in a better direction. This is something you and I had talked about when he kind of been floated out there for lots of different franchises. We're going, hey, could he come here and fix us? No, he's not coming to a town anywhere near you. He's going to work on the game overall, which is probably for the best of, of everybody. Yeah, we have assistant general managers – so he's kind of an assistant to the commissioner. So he might be like a vice commissioner. Senior vice president. He of, might be, yeah. We might even call him Viceroy Epstein. And I think that might be a fitting. I think fitting. we have, to. I, think we have I think, to. I know you would love that. but D-line's got to make a shirt. Viceroy. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of a really great spot. We thought it was going to be a few years until we saw Theo Epstein kind of get back into the game of baseball. But there you see where his heart is at. And if the, really if, if any office – in, in Major League Baseball or in the world of baseball could use a little bit more of that passion just for the for the game and the love of the sport. It's the commissioner's office and who better than Theo Epstein. So that's that's pretty exciting news and something that we, we discussed on the podcast too about him being perfect for that job as a commissioner. And even if he doesn't have the title, he certainly can do a lot of the different things underneath it and have his voice heard. Yeah, I, I hope we're not overemphasizing our belief in his just magical ability to save things. Like part of me does wonder, you know, how much does the skill set of turning around an individual baseball franchise translate to running Major League Baseball or, or having a hand in running Major League Baseball? But <laughs> this this exact uh, transaction happened in our Discord chat today. But somebody said, "Could it really be worse than what we've had right now?" And then somebody said, "Remember when we had Bud Selig and people said, could it really be worse?'" And then we got Rob Manfred. So, you know, uh, it could be worse. But I, yeah, I, I think there's nothing but excitement, like there would be for um, you know a, a new team president for the Rockies, even if we didn't know a ton about this guy. Uh, just 
He's had success in other areas. That would be enough to inject that new blood, that excitement. The Rockies need it, but Major League Baseball needed it. And this is this is good news. And uh, you know what? Mom, when you're right, you're right. At least he likes baseball. We know Theo Epstein loves baseball, wants baseball to be great in as many places as it can be. So this is exciting news for, for those of us that love the game and, and have been worried for a while now about this ongoing battle between owners and players and, and the future looking dark. This is kind of a shining potential bright light in the middle of all that. It's the right kind of new blood in, in, in the best way possible in, in that it, it's somebody from outside, right? Like, you know, anytime you, you promote somebody or, you know, create a new job title, whatever it is, if it comes from within the organization, okay, cool. That's fine. Again, like we talked about, you know, all right, Jeff Breidich becomes the G uh, the team president and you have Zach Rosenthal as the team GM. All right. It's something new, but is it new blood? It, I think it all comes from the same general DNA strand, if you will. It's the same family. But when right. you go outside the organization, we're seeing the Broncos do it right now with their new general manager. And we're seeing and it with general Theo Patton. Epstein. That's right. Uh, one T, though. One T, not not yeah. double T. I know. We, we got all of our double so T's close. and double J's. Ooh, 451. A little early today. Yeah. Uh, out of the way yesterday. But it's, yeah, it's such a... a you know, it's it's a piece of news that, again, we'll talk about briefly, and it's going to get one segment from us here on the DNVR Rockies podcast. But it's one of those moves where in 20 years' time from now, maybe even 10 years, maybe even five years from now, they say, you know, there's those articles that are written about January 14th, 2021. You know, here's where the state of the game was at, Astros and, and Red Sox sign ceiling scandals. Uh, all kinds of different things where work stoppages, the new CBA, et cetera, et cetera. And here's where the game is at now. We've got 32 teams. There's expansion. It's worked so well. The league is even talking about, hey, let's let's blow it up to 36 teams. And you go, oh, my gosh, how did that happen? Well, it starts on a day much like today. Which might – well, we were talking the last time, and I thought of it after we got off. The One of the last times we, we've had this conversation about how do we get out of the economic problems of baseball, and expansion could be one of the best ones, spreading out the talent pool so that it's harder to create these centralized talent zones is, is one of the ways I think that can happen. So, yeah, we could be talking about uh, a much, much more parity in the game, more people that have a chance, more places that are supporting baseball, and, and that would be a, a pretty fantastic thing to see there, I think. So – I'm still on my Strava, but I, I we if you're out there with your Breck brew, toast your Breck brew for the day to Theo Epstein in, in hopes that he can do what he has done for the Red Sox and the Cubs for Major League Baseball. What, well, what is that equivalent? That so I was thinking that too. What is the MLB? I guess equivalent of you know winning a, a World Series with the Cubs for the first time in 106 years. Uh, Actually, I think it was 108, winning a World Series for the first time in Boston for the first time in 86 years. What right. is that? And then there might not be that exact equivalent, but there certainly could be things that, you know, elevates the game, right? How about right now? You know, baseball hasn't been the national pastime in 35 right. years, maybe. Right. What right. if baseball and baseball right now might even be third behind? Uh, NFL and NBA. So does baseball, can baseball become, you know, the, the, the national pastime or even just the world's game, right? Even, even if in America, it's right. not necessarily number one, but it becomes the world's game. If it somehow 
you know, gets to be on the scale of a soccer where, okay, sure, you know, it might be the, the sixth most popular sport. Uh, as far as revenue streams go here in America, and people don't really care about soccer. But if you're just talking about the planet Earth, what brings in the most money? What sport? Oh, right. NFL is is a bit behind soccer in that way because it's only played in the United States and or North America, Canada, right? But if baseball can become, I think that would be almost the only major equivalent, other than just little, you know, pieces here and there that uh, expand the game. Yeah, I mean, I think you could look at individual things. I think you could even say like a, a really successful successful expansion like we were just talking about. Um, you know, I, I'm even to the point where like just getting it back to where it seems like the commissioner's office of baseball is doing what it can to grow and expand the game and be creative in rather than trying to fix the game. Just that switch of attitude, right? We've talked about that before, this sort of, let's put clocks on it and let's change things that most fans don't even necessarily have problems with uh, by, and try to appeal to people who've maybe never even really been fans of game, but not do things like make it easier to stream or get rid of these blackout problems or uh, all the different issues that just make it harder to grow. So, you know, I think for me, that's the biggest one just as in terms of a mindset. And we talk about that in terms of, you know, local ownership as well. You've got to set an identity. You've got to have a culture. You've got to have a mindset that permeates through the organization. And I, I think that's the biggest thing individually for me that I'd like to see from the commissioner's office is a mindset of let's grow our beautiful, wonderful game. Let's sing from the mountaintops about our great players. Let's promote them as much as humanly possible and not talk about how they're not promotable. Let's do everything we can to celebrate the game rather than apologizing for it and, and you know, feeling like it's gotten in people's way. Uh, and, you, and you mentioned, you know, whether that's internationally. Uh, there's so many different avenues you can grow the game of baseball. We've talked about the drop-off in, uh, you know, urban and rural areas particularly. It's like a game of the suburbs is basically what it's become. If you're living in the inner cities or out in the country, it's real hard to get on a traveling team or all this other stuff that we've talked about. Those are the kinds of things. I'd like to see a mindset toward you know, umpire reform and, and the electronic strike zone and being able to watch the game on your phones. But that's all, that's all a part of a mindset. Those things all come from thinking, here's how we give the best version of our game to a new generation and how they watch everything else rather than man, kids don't like our product. We're sorry. If we give you less of it, will you like it? Okay. Yeah, putting a bow on that, it's like their approval rating, right? It, it's like going out yeah. and how do, how do people feel like there was a point, you know, 10 years ago where the NFL could do no wrong. The NFL just could do nothing right. wrong. It, it was just, it was perfect in right. so many ways and they had nowhere to go but down and we're starting to see that now. Right, they've gone down and mlb seems like they can go nowhere but up and if you ask fans yeah they all have something even again dodgers fans right now are saying hey we just won the world series okay we didn't get a parade i'm not gonna i'm not gonna submit that in my gallup poll or in my approval ratings but you know what blackout restrictions this is a major problem um the traffic around dodger stadium well you know what you can't fix that but can you get some tailgating activities so that I can come down to the ballpark really early, maybe beat some of that traffic, and, and I'd be glad to to be at the ballpark three, four hours early 
in order to ensure that I get to see all nine innings. So have some stuff for me there when I get there early. And again, it, it that bow is just the approval rating so that when people talk about MLB, they're talking about them doing everything right from just the in-game experience, the the game experience from watching from home, and what they are doing really, you know, boots on the ground. What's going on in the local little leagues? What's going on in inner cities? What's happening in North Dakota and in Montana where there might not be any uh, representation from MLB or minor league baseball, but yet there is still a thriving program there for underprivileged uh, children to still be able to play these games and be a part of teams and travel and, and do all the tournaments and whatnot. So yeah, I, I think I think that is another great way and probably a more likely way to uh, you know, to show maybe what Theo Epstein could do on the inside for winning that championship that he did with the Cubs, right. he did with the Red Sox, and did the unthinkable. That would be somewhat unthinkable for people to say, yeah, baseball is doing it better than all of the other sports. And that's possible. And that's possible. Um, exactly right. Well, let's it's played in St. Into Louis, our- too. They <laughs> both played in St. Louis, as well as the coast in Chicago. But other than that, it's a fair point. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, let's get into our main topic of the day as we finish toasting our Breck Brews and Stravacraft coffees to Theo Epstein and talk about these 2010 Colorado Rockies. And, you know, it's interesting, Patrick, this is something we've done with a few other teams. And as I was looking through the numbers on this squad, I was like, there's a lot of great lessons to be learned here. And I've written a couple of times recently that in order to get into the postseason, as we've gone through all of these numbers, we've sort of discovered, and this is not an absolute, you know, truth. We, we've talked about there's only 28 years of Rockies history. But what we know so far in those 28 years is that every time they've made the postseason, all five, all, all whopping five of them, one thing has been true. They've had their four-fifths. Four-fifths? No, no, no. Four-fifths, Right? or your five-fourths. You need those guys. You need four starting pitchers to be over an OPS of uh, OPS plus of 100, four starting position players to be over an OPS plus of 100, and four bullpen guys to be an, over an OPS plus of 100. And the reason that I think that's interesting is because you might look at, well, what about just team OPS plus and ERA plus, right? What about that? And the problem with that is this is the counterexample. The problem with that is this 2010 season exactly. And it's the problem that Patrick Lyons has pointed out to me when I've argued on the other side of the Colorado Rockies potentially being good, which is, as we're about to discover as we go through these numbers right here, what you essentially have is a team with a pretty solid team OPS plus and team ERA plus that in most other years would have gotten them into the postseason. But it was only produced by three hitters, three starters, and three guys in the bullpen. It was the lack of depth, the drop-off between their top guys and their bottom guys that ultimately sunk the 2010 Rockies. And it's what they've got to be leery of and be more prepared for in 2021. Yeah, the symmetry that we're going to get into is is kind of eerie because, you know, that that 2010 team was coming off the heels of obviously the 2007 world series run took a step back in 08 
went forward again in 2009. And overall, between those three seasons, they were they were up 25 games. They'd won 25 more than they had lost, which was the most that, that we've seen in any three-year stretch. Um, you, you can take uh, 16 to uh, 2018, and you're at, you're at plus 19, so not as good. Uh, same thing if you go from, I think, 95 to 97 is plus 18. So just looking at it from that stretch, and that's, again, a team that was under 500 in 2008, all of those pieces were there, uh, carry over in 2010, and it seemed like, okay, maybe 2007 was an aberration. Maybe they jumped up a little too quick. We've seen that with young clubs who get to the playoffs maybe a year early, then they take a step back, and then they go full steam ahead and they go on a run, and that's when the dynasty begins. And for Colorado, it was almost the reverse, where that first year, it was it was everything and kind of took a step back. But the pieces were there. It, it, it's, it shouldn't have been that way. It should have been, you know, those same pieces from 07 and 09 continuing forward because they were, they were all there. And especially when you consider how, you know, Ubaldo Jimenez had started that year, you, you really would have had to have liked Colorado's chances in, in – Get, scratching out one of those wild card spots and in a normal year, if you go back and replay that season over, you know, hundred times, I think that club probably makes the playoffs, you know, 70, 75% of the time. I think and, you're and, probably and right about in reality, that. unfortunately yeah. in this multiverse. In, in, that's right. In this particular <laughs> multiverse. And we've got some stats from stat boy, Noah, to back up what you just said. And if you want to get smart, like stat boy, Noah, then you got to head over to MSU Denver, online doesn't necessarily have to be in stats though of course they've got that whether you want to look it's an important skill to pick up these days i don't know if you saw dnvr out there looking for a new video editor maybe you've taken a bunch of classes in video editing msudenver.edu slash online they got all kinds of stuff in all kinds of categories whether you're starting a new degree finishing up an old one just picking up some new skills in life you definitely want to be going the digital education route right now and you definitely don't want to be doing digital ed- education for people who just learned that was a thing a few months ago. You want to be going to the experts, the people who've been built from the ground up to give you this level of education. They have got it going on over at msudenver.edu online. So slash online, excuse me. Got to get that slash in there. Otherwise, you won't you won't get there. And something that's really, really cool right now. This is actually huge for me because I, I know I, I've been there before. I've been in that place where you you maybe don't have the extra funds to just go and and do the application right now because you know that that could just be money down the drain for you you never know but right now for dnvr members they're going to be waiving the application fee so go and get that done it's no risk just check them out you do not pay an application fee for the string spring semester if you use code dnvr sports there there's no reason not to do it now it's completely risk-free go and do it Uh, i know i've been there before where an application fee has stopped me from doing something that i might have otherwise done so use that promo code get it done great education opportunity go roadrunners and you can be a roadrunner i mean how many people get to say that say i'm a roadrunner right so while the innocent asking the question who on this 2021 team could throw the 2010 no hitter right so we do have to start with Ubaldo Jimenez obviously he was the big story of that year and stat boy Noah throwing now we knew some of these right that the first half was particularly good 
The Colorado Rockies had played 85 games, and Ubaldo Jimenez was at a 15-0 record with a 141 ERA, a 100 whip as a Rockies pitcher, uh, 198 batting average against. Um, he said at the time, when he, an article he found in 2010, there had only been 47 other pitchers to win at least 15 games in their team's first 85 games. But we know there's like an era of baseball where guys would just pitch every other day if they wanted to, right? So if you look at it just from 1985 and on, when most teams exclusively used five-man rotations, that number shrinks to five pitchers. That includes Ubaldo Jimenez. Pedro Martinez did it in 1999, Greg Maddox in 1988, Steve Carlton in 1980, and Joaquin Andujar in 1985. Ubaldo Jimenez's ERA was the lowest of all of them, making it an argument for the best first half of pitching in the modern era. It's really hard to argue that. Yeah, 127 innings pitched. I mean, on on relative pace for for 250 innings. Again, just guys aren't really were really doing that at the time. Uh, the fact that he was able to keep his whip down, and again to do it at altitude uh, at a time in which the steroid era was pretty much kind of winding down at that point, but. Um, I mean, I think it was over, but the home run rates, you know, still stayed up there, relatively speaking. And so it's, you know, I, I think to, to say who can throw the no hitter, you know, any of the, the Rockies top four starters can. But when you throw in that element of saying, well, he started the all-star game. So think of it in, in, in those parameters, like who on this 2021 team could start the all-star game. And I would probably, I would probably cancel out Sensatella. For right now and i would probably not include john gray but i think there's a mild chance kyle freeland could do it but a way better chance that the guy who yeah. has the best shot of starting game and throwing the no hitter again all four of those guys have that potential but marquez i would think probably has a three times the amount of That's potential right. like if you're going like if you know that I, I, I'm sure there are people out there so analytically inclined to crunch the numbers and say, "I want to see a no hitter." I'm doing a research on trying to go see a no hitter. It's 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 almost like a a DNVR bets type scenario with DraftKings. Like, okay, I, I want to bet on a no hitter, but I don't want to just bet on it from the my the comfort of my couch. I want to go to a no hitter. If you're crunching the numbers and you're looking who has the best chance, I think it's three to one, maybe even four to one that Marquez could throw the no-hitter yeah. over those other guys. Again, not to say that Marquez is four times better than any of those guys, but just four times the likelihood of going all nine innings, yeah. getting a lot of swings and misses, getting a lot of weak contact, and being able to, again, keep his pitch count. I mean, he came and Evan innings. Longoria ground ball single through the yeah. left side away from doing this already. And mm -hmm. he, he's got a couple other complete games in his career. John Gray does have the 16 strikeout game against the Padres. Uh, you know, so yeah, uh, Kyle Freeland took a no hitter into the ninth inning against the White Sox at Coors Field, which was maybe as impressive as, as anything, but didn't end up finishing that game. But I'm with you. Marquez is the guy. We've been saying it for a while. I'm still waking, waiting for the big breakout uh, as he is. If, if Marquez is his career average next year, he's still a solid anchor. He's a number two, but an okay number one for your team if, the, if you've got solid depth. We'll see where the Rockies' depth is at. 
if he takes that next level, yeah, he's very much capable of matching the kind of Freeland's 18, Ubaldo's 2010, Marvin Freeman's 94, maybe. 179 ERA plus can be tough to do. No, for sure. And I, I think, you know, if you know, if the 2021 club is is kind of this reincarnation of of 2010 and we, we certainly wouldn't hope for that. Uh, you know, there, there would be some, some positives out of it. You know, if we're, if we're talking starting pitching, the, the Rockies that year had six different guys make 19 or more starts, right. which again is not ideal because that means there's at least one person. Well, really it's not one. You're, what you're probably having is two or three guys going down from little, you know, stints here and there. And, you know, guys coming in and out of the rotation, they're kind of not all healthy at the same time. It's like, you know, having four outfielders with 400 or, more, or 450 at bats. You go, how would you do that? Well, they just, they're on a rotation and you go left field, center field, right field. And on day four, you're on the bench, left field, center field, right field. And again, you're just kind of rotating out. Um, so, you know, that would be almost a positive for the 21 club because that means you're getting, you know, some, some really quality starts out of six guys in the rotation. And we're thinking right now that they might not have six guys to get the job done. Rawlson certainly could be, but again, that, that would, that's where it would be good. If Rawlson can go out and make 19 or more starts competitively, if he had a that is good Jolie news. Chassin type rookie sure. year, Jolie Chassin in 2010 as a rookie, we talked about it just the other day. We highlighted him. He actually had a nine and eleven record that year. Strangely enough, the offense man, uh, bullpens. That sounds like offense and bullpens problems. But a 3.28 ERA. That's the kind of thing, and that that's asking a lot. But if if you're getting either out of Senzatella, but yeah, it's more like a like a. Rollison type of situation where people probably weren't expecting that from Chassin. He came out and did it. As we talked about, that was his, his best year in the bigs, as it turned out so far. I uh, got very solid production out of Jorge De La Rosa with the eight and seven record, 422 ERA. That's what you, you got to get out of John Gray. You know, that's where I think people go like, oh man, I want John Gray to be the ace. I want him to do this. Like, why aren't you guys talking about, you're talking about Marquez. Wasn't that supposed to be great? It's like, if Gray goes out and does that, and eats up a ton of innings, 422 ERA, you know, pitches 190 innings, uh, it's a little over 500 or whatever if you if you care about pitcher wins or if, you, if you're looking at ERA plus. That that puts you in the mix. If you've got Marquez and Freeland doing their thing, we talked about Sensatella, then you only need one of Castellani or Rollison to, well, that's if you're getting perfect health. And that's where, where we talk sure. about, that's where this stuff come, kind of falls apart, right? And that's where this 2010 team fell apart. And you've talked about it is like there there's no depth there to skip to the end. And there's a few other we can go back to some of these interesting stats. But the, the most interesting one that that stat boy hit me up with just to, to drive home the point was that with 15 games to play, uh, they were 83. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. 82 and 66. They finished 83 and 79. Hmm. I mean, that is and abhorrent they went two and 13 down the stretch um and, and, and it's just like that is you get that's an f minus finish if they had had a d plus finish to that season and, and there's a lot of blown saves and stuff in there but that is the worst collapse in franchise history it's it's just abysmal to see the way they just completely fell apart down the stretch there yeah, as you said, on, on September 15th, they they uh, won a game against 
San Diego, uh, 9-6. Houston Street picks up his 19th save. And they're just outside of the wild card race, but they're 14 games over 500, which yeah, pretty darn good. Um, and they're only two and a half back of Atlanta for that, that final wild card or the only wild card spot <laughs> right. at that point. So they're, yeah, they're completely in the hunt. And, and the team right behind them, St. Louis is only four games over 500. They're five games behind them. So it's kind of like this drop off uh, oh. in, a, in a major way. And they're, again, they're right there, but, uh, you know, com- completely blows up. For for a team that now at this point is is sitting really good and and you're thinking all right this team you know you, you'd probably lay some money on it uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook that they're gonna get the job done because hey this team knows how to win not only have they come you know made the playoffs two of the last three seasons but oh yeah they had you know one of the best stretches of of a, of a three week period four week period really including the playoffs of of any modern day team outside of that you right. know 2002 Oakland Athletics team. That one like 22 straight and you go, it's essentially those same guys from 2007. And yet the exact opposite happens. And I don't know if anyone's ever uncovered what the heck happened other than looking at the numbers and and saying, Oh, this fell apart. This guy broke down, but there has to be something more to it than that, because you have to believe they were, they were drinking the Kool-Aid as they should have. They were 14 games over 500, right? And and I'll I'll give you this and and here's where we get back to talking about the current team and we just yeah. broke down the lineup the other day and it's why I wanted to go ahead and have this 2010 conversation now back to OPS plus said you got to have four guys over a hundred and then we talked about getting those guys that are in the 90s right but here was the problem their best hitter in 2010 Carlos Gonzalez who got MVP consideration that year great year remember he and he had come off 2009 where he'd been so hot to end the year was so good in that series against the Phillies guys an MVP candidate a 143 OPS plus that is hot tamale stuff batting title uh if I recall correctly with a 336 batting average uh slugged 598 34 homers 117 ribbies 26 stolen bases a uh, guy was fantastic that year. So he was an MVP candidate. And then Troy Tulowitzki, his normal, typical, also MVP caliber player, only 122 games. We all would start to get used to that being the case. Third best hitter on that team. Are you looking at it? Do you know this one yet? Can I, can you, can I give you a guess? Can I put you on the spot or have you? I you looked know? at it. You looked uh, at it. 20 okay. minutes ago. Ian Stewart. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 oh, not quite, but you're close. Ian Stewart is, is, is in the neighborhood, but same basic idea. It's actually your boy, your boy in the booth, your boy oh, in the booth with the stash. Mr. Ryan Spielborgs. Ryan Spielborgs was the third guy, but at a 102. So your third best hitter is technically over a hundred OPS plus, but right at. And then you don't mm-hmm. have the third. Now you do have a bunch of guys in the nineties here with Melvin Mora, Ian Stewart, Seth Smith, Miguel Olivo, and uh, a young Dexter Fowler. Uh, An aging Todd Helton falling off with the 87. Clint Barmas, one of his down years with the bat, with the 67. But that's where I think we see that stark contrast and where people who disagree with me about the current state of the Rockies, this is what they're expecting. Nolan and Trevor to hit like the daylights, right? And you could see this. No, Trevor has his best season to date. 
puts up a 143 OPS plus that's very similar to what we saw from Cargo here. Steals 26 bases, hits 34 home runs, the whole thing. That's a Trevor storyline. He does that next year. Cool. Nolan Arenado gets back to his normal self. That's this Troy Tulowitzki line, a 138 OPS plus. Dope. We've got those two taken care of. Charlie Blackman's aging a little bit, but still a very good hitter. You expect him to be above league average, maybe even just at. So that's your Ryan Spielborgs, your outfielder, hitting 279. Uh, you know, on uh, Blackman will slug better, but 102, maybe a 110. And then what? And and that was, I think that was the downfall of this team. Ultimately, while well, we can look at that last stretch and go, this was an offense that was hanging on. Uh, and and three guys, and really two guys, cannot power an offense the whole time. Three or four maybe can. Two can't do it. Yeah, I. So you would have you would expect that their Pythag, right, their expected winning percentage would have been lower, right? Like they they got more wins out of this team than they should have. It, it was that is that your take from this? Yeah, yeah. It's the exact opposite. But it's, but it's, yeah. It's I don't know. Why, yeah. I don't know how. To be honest, yeah. I don't know how. I looked at that yeah. and I go, oh, okay. I see where we're leading. But it, it was actually the reverse, and I, I can't necessarily wrap my head around that. Again, yeah. a lot of it could have had to do with the pitching. And again, we're talking about a Jim Tracy led team, who just went and and, and led the the team to the playoffs and the year prior, uh, after after taking over, you know, the reins from from Clint Hurdle and that that under ten games under five hundred start at, at game 57 in may and yet it it all falls apart you know they had they had won nine games uh in a row going up to september 12th and they were only one game back of the wild card i think on september 18th something like that and then as you said they went two and 13 down the stretch and but but why like what and and well and here's the other thing and and i'd have to look and maybe yeah Did, let's maybe lucky? even find some game logs because there's one other thing that i would be willing to bet mm-hmm. and it's in again this is in my recollection so we'll have to test this is the bullpen fell apart they started blowing more games they didn't have houston street anymore which i think was maybe the big silly decision um uh, now I can't remember. No, was he just hurt that year, or did they? Is that when they moved him? I have to go back and double check because they had, because their best relievers were Betancourt and Belial. I think that might have been the year. Um, no, no, no. They don't have Betancourt with any saves or anything. So did Street just turn bad? I'm trying to find him. Who who was closing ball games that year? That appears to have been. He was yeah. closing through mid September, and then got hurt. That's what mm-hmm. it was. So that probably. Um, that's where you need depth in your bullpen. That's where the, the one part that we really haven't talked about yet. You, gotta, you need your four starting pitchers, you need your four hitters, and you need your four relievers. Betancourt and Belial, once Street went down, they just weren't able to hang on and provide them the the relief pitching that they need to back up what the starters were doing. That's That's my working thesis at the very least. Let me see if I can go through here. Yeah, there's an interesting uh, feature on baseball reference that I've never really looked at that much before. And, you know, some of this has to do, you know, when you cover the Colorado Rockies. But uh, it's something called uh-huh. Championship Leverage Index, where if you go individually by season, um, it, it's something that just shows the importance of the game on a team's probability of winning the World Series. One is of average importance. Uh, anything below one is below average importance, etc. And there was a point where, 
again, in September when they're they're on this just after their nine-game win streak, that they're up to 3.43, which means nothing other than the fact that when you go back and look at even when they're they're cruising along in, in July and you know winning six games in a row, three walk-offs in a row at home starting on July 4th, 6th, and 7th, the 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 championship level leverage index only goes up to about two. So I mean, they were a team that you get them in the playoffs, you know, they're gonna have that depth. And think about it, again with those six starters that all had an ERA plus of 90 or better, you go, all right, well, look, we're gonna run you out there. And if you don't have it, guess what? We can get rid of you after the first inning. And there's gonna be somebody else that's gonna go and eat up about five, six innings and go through the order at least two times. Because right. they at least had that starting pitching depth. And yeah, maybe the bullpen didn't wasn't there and, and completely unraveled in those close games down a stretch in 2010. You actually had the starting pitching depth in the postseason that could have done that heavy lifting. And so, if, we're, if we're talking about comparisons between 2010 and 2021, that would be where it's it, it isn't – I don't know that it quite matches up entirely. But then again – I Maybe, maybe. I, I just they, they just they don't have the starting pitching depth. Could they get it? I'm not convinced in, in Castellani. I think Rollison could be that guy where he's the hot hand in the postseason. So you've got now five horses, and they're still you know, as strange as it is. You know, about a month away from players reporting to spring training, there's still plenty of time from Colorado to to sign. You know, another arm or two, maybe one non roster invite, one guy actually on a major league deal. And so could it happen? It absolutely could. It, it, it's not an impossibility. Right. So as I was just looking through here at the the losses category, we, we can talk all we want about pitcher wins, but pitcher losses can often tell a story and not every single time. But down the stretch there for the 2010 Colorado Rockies, I'm seeing names like Rodrigo Lopez, Manny Del Carmen, Octavio Dotel, Esmeal Rogers, Franklin Morales, that's losses from different relievers uh, in several different games down the stretch there where you would think if they'd had Houston Street available at the very least. So, but again, or, or somebody else, you've got you've to have that depth. Franklin Morales had been really good the years prior, but just wasn't anymore. The Octavio Dotel, Rodrigo Lopez, Manny Del Carmen picking up veterans. You know, we've seen that story a hundred times. It's Chad Qualls and Brian Shaw and all this crap all over again. And it's, you know, but um, if they just had that one other guy and, and it's, you, you could maybe even put them anywhere. If they have one extra hitter. That team probably makes the postseason. If they've got one extra guy in the rotation. So to eat up innings so that they don't have to go to these relievers or just go the other way and and give him a healthy Houston streak through the full end of the season. I know he he, he pitched a decent amount, 40 some innings. Uh, you know, 60 he's a 65 inning pitcher typically. Um, you can't but like you said, you can't count on perfect health. It's the same thing with these Rockies where you go, well, even if you believe in Ryan Rollison or even if you believe in Carlos Estevez and Jairo Diaz uh, and Yancy Almonte. Well, then those are the guys you have, and you need them to be healthy the whole time because as soon as there's a key injury, then what happens? And I actually do feel a little bit better, oddly enough, right now about the Rockies' bullpen, as strange as that happened. Um, the they, more there's, we talk there's upside, about it, there's upside yeah, there. There's at least dudes. There's at least and, guys who are dudes and dudes who are kind of guys. And, and I do want to talk about that, but you know, you, you touched on the, the bats 
what they were doing there. And I, I think it was very much that they kind of fell apart as well, and they weren't reliable because in those final, uh, I think, 10 games, eight of the 10 games, they scored two runs or less. Yeah, that's like that's right. that's not acceptable. And again, they're they're out of it by the point that they play uh, in St. Louis, but they score two runs in St. Louis in a four game series oh. on a team that was right there with yeah. them. That, as I said on September fifteenth, they were five games behind them, and they end up finishing three games ahead of them because of how bad they fell apart. Right. So it just it wasn't happening for them when they went on the road. It just started to fall apart, and yeah. The, the bats weren't there, and so the bullpen, which had to pick right. up slack, and couldn't do it. The bats couldn't help them out, and it that is unraveling there at the worst. But it was totally it was lining unraveled. up. It was lining right. up in September. And I think, man, I, I think that would, you know, one of the ways that it, the, the 2021 season might differ from 2010 is that the 2010 guys, you know, they were – I think they were being counted on to, to do totally. what they were supposed to do. And they were in position – 150 games into the season. If this right. team does that, that's overachieving, I think. Right. It's not impossible, no. but it would be more overachieving than, you know what, this team definitely should do that. That's right. that's the difference. It's just should and, and they, could, they could, but they're, they shouldn't. Right. They should. But it is funny that you look at the end of the day and they were at 83 wins, and I think yeah. you even said at some point last week, like, yeah, okay, this team, if, if some things go right, they can win 82 games, but then – you know, is that even really where you want to be? You're missing out on the second wild card and you right. don't have great draft position. That's not a good spot to be. Uh, I, I think they would probably get there in a different way, but you're right. It's it's just like... Yeah. If, they they if, would win the final the, nine games of the season. Yeah. You go, wait, you had a top 10 draft they pick. They were almost there. And you That's where it. you want to tank. That's where you want to strategically uh, tank right. in a sense where you go, these games mean nothing. Yeah, and, if you're already uh, out of it, that's, that's the one area where I'm like, eh, at that point, just hold open tryouts out there yeah because but, because i think six teams i think six teams in mlb last year finished with 26 wins so there's a team i don't know maybe like seattle or new york that have like the 12th pick and that if they had just lost one more game they would have had the like uh seventh. seventh pick yeah and you yeah. go oh, these games meant nothing so right. nah. yeah well we'll cross that bridge when we get to it well right can we criticize the Rockies for winning games? Right. Well, so strange. I do think it like, I think for the average fan, for, for some of us, it'll be in, in many ways, very frustrating, but I do think for the average fan uh, to, to put kind of the pin in it, cause you're right. 2010 was one of the most disappointing seasons in Rockies history. Yeah. And I think if the 2021 Rockies win 82 or 83 games, it will surprise just about everybody. It'll be a, a pleasant surprise for most people. They will have outperformed expectations. They'll definitely hit their over uh, it, <laughs> on the DraftKings or wherever <laughs> it may be. So um, yeah, man, like, and, and as I looked and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go through this, because as I look at the roster, I see a lot of the same pluses, some pitchers who can do some amazing things, some starting guys who really can be great and coming into their primes, all of them at the same time. That's the one part where you talk about things lining up at the same time. The one area of the team where all the starting pitchers are coming into their age 26 to 28 seasons altogether should be hitting their stride together. But the rest of the team, you know, you've got a couple of star position players, a ton of question marks. One or two or three relievers that you feel anywhere from pretty good to still question marks about. And then a whole lot of question marks. And so, yeah, I, I think that it, it's there. You see it in front of you where you're like, 
and that's the other frustrating thing where we talked about with the lineup the other day. And you look at this 20 team, as we just said, if they'd have just had that one other guy, it didn't even necessarily have to be one guy in each area. One other, a hitter who could have come in and give them a 115 WRC plus, scored them a couple more runs. They go to the postseason that year. Starter to eat a few more innings or brought in a reliever to, to make up for the lost slack from Houston Street and not having any of that. And I look at this team and I see that's exactly where I'm at with this team right now. On paper, I see a 500 ball club. That's what I see in the Colorado Rockies on paper. A team that they're a 500 team, if stuff goes really well for them, they can win 87 games. Sure, they get great health and all these guys coming to the thing. That's that's my belief, you know, but I don't even know that 87 gets you into the dance. But what I also see is the most obvious places to add that fifth guy, that fifth hitter, or the fourth guy it should be, the fourth hitter, the fourth starter, really it'd be a fifth starter, the fourth reliever, they need that guy, and they don't have him. And until then, you know, it's going to be frustrating, but it's right there in front of you. Yeah, it's 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 definitely, you know, uh, a quizzical thing, I, I think, in a sense, to try to figure out what's going to happen with this team and, and where are the most parallels, you know, with, with what are the years in, in team history. And, and it's, uh, they're definitely at a crossroads. You know, the, the, the team is at a crossroads. And, and, it, and it, one of those crossroads is things going well, where, yeah, maybe they win 83 games and they, they do it the wrong way, in a sense, where they win the final eight games of the season and you go, ah, you just lost some good picks, but you go, wait a minute, hold on. This, this window of uh, contention or even this window of opportunity that we, we were thinking was closed or that many thought were closed, maybe it's, it could, could be propped open just a little bit with, with the emergence of a lot of these young ball players. That's, that's why even a team that you know, is, is completely out of the hunt in the past in September, that's your opportunity to still go to the ballpark and say, hey, who got called up today? Who are the young guys that we're going to see maybe have a chance tomorrow? I, I've never heard of this guy, but let's give him a shot. Like maybe they'll unlock something. And right. at 83 wins, even if that's, you know, lackluster and, and obviously wouldn't make the playoffs, again, there could be those positives that you you take from something like that. So I'm not opposed to, to running out a, a team there that could win 83 games. Um, you just got to hope that it's it's those 83 wins come on the backs of – the future on the, on the, on the younger players, on those lost boys that aren't quite prospects, but they're not the established veterans. Because if it's something wild, like John Gray goes out and finishes fifth in the Cy Young award voting great for John Gray and great for John Gray's bank account. Cause he's probably gone now. He's not signed. Yeah, if they, if they don't extend him before that happens, if Arenado has an MVP type season and which, which is crazy to go, wait a minute, you have a guy who finishes fifth in Cy Young voting. You have Arenado maybe finishing second in MVP. Uh, that happens uh, plenty of times for, for different teams that are completely irrelevant. I mean, uh, Steve Carlton won 27 games for a Philadelphia Phillies team. I think that won like 57, something absurd right. like that. So it's not out of the question. But if it goes down in that way, again, and, and, and all your best players are the ones that are kind of on those contract years and they go elsewhere – and that's almost catastrophic, but I, I don't think that happens. That's that's the most worst case scenario that I, right. I I was I was trying to force myself to not say it. I'm like, don't put don't yeah, put that into the world. Don't put no, that be- into the world. But 
I, I think if they win 83 games, it's more likely than not to be a good 83 where several of these young guys have to perform and really step up in a major way. And not just a couple of them, a lot of them, guys who you think are nobodies become something. Guys who are something really elevate their status to something even more than that. And right. and that's why we play the games, right? That's why we right. go out and watch these games. Right. And while the innocent saying only two all-stars for that 2010 Rockies team, Weird. how many go in 21? Four. Patrick? <laughs> uh, two at best. Let's say two. Definitely four. Definitely four. So. Who, who's the fourth? Or or is, am I assuming I should, uh, Charlie Blackman's not in your four? No, it'll be it'll be uh, Nolan Trevor. There will be a pitcher, either Marquez or Gray or it. Freeland, or there'll or or maybe like an Oberg or Bard. But there will be a pitcher. It'll be Nolan Trevor, a pitcher, and one of the Lost Boys, either Ryan McMahon or Brandon Rogers. Oh, I love that. Star next year. That's you those, went, those you are went the, the hard four. You went, yeah. you went the, you, you went the hard way. You go, no, I'm not going Charlie as my number no. three. I'm going, no, I love that. Dude. I don't think Charlie's going to be an all-star next year. I think it's going to be, I think he's going to be a very solid hitter. And I think Nolan and Trevor are going to play like superstars. And I think one of those young guys, I still can't tell which, that's why I'm going to give myself McMahon a little is bit of a split shot. I McMahon's think McMahon. the guy. I think McMahon's the guy, but McMahon's been my all-star preseason pick for like two or three years in yeah, a row now. Same. Actually, it was it was Dahl a couple of years ago, but it was definitely, we were both on McMahon this last year. But yeah, and a lot of people are saying the year of B-Rod and, and yeah, but a pitcher, a pitcher will get in this year. I like that. And, and Drew, I don't get to say this enough. I really hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that would spell very, very good things for both the current Rockies and their future if it if it split out that way. Cause you're right. If it is, if they've got three all-stars and it's Nolan, Charlie and Trevor, and they're dragging that team to 80 wins, that's not good for anybody. If B-Rod and Rymac and Freeland and Marquez and Sensatella and Oberg and those guys are doing their parts and they're getting rumblings about all-star, then, then your team's having a good year. And you know what? I'm saying too, but if Don Nunez hits two home runs hey. in a spring training game, one of them is <laughs> off a double-A pitcher, I don't care, I okay. might go, eh, maybe three, maybe three. You know, this will be the year. The Colorado fun to get hyped up on that. What are the what is the DraftKings plus on a Colorado Rockies catcher being named to the All Star game? <laughs> I don't know, but what neighborhood in the Denver area can you now buy a home if you hit yeah, on that one? Totally. That's the question. Are we talking Highlands That's Ranch? It. I don't know. Maybe Cherry Creek. I think you can go Cherry all the Creek? way. I think you can go to Cherry Creek on that bet. Yeah. So Maple the Mapleton uh, area of Boulder. Uh, we'll see. Move. Hey, that's uh, <laughs> this is maybe not quite that much. You might have to parlay that. You might have to parlay yeah. that. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this has been both a fun look down memory lane and into the future. Uh, it's past something that isn't often done with uh, a deep dive look because people think, well, you know, if they didn't win, but stuff like this, some you gotta. You got to learn those and stuff about teams that could have been great, but weren't. 
this 2010 team could have been great. And a lot of people don't see potential greatness in this 2021 team. But I, I actually, I've argued this several times, Patrick. You do. That's why you're so upset and angry. You saw potential greatness by the end of 2018. It should have continued to get better. It hasn't. That's a huge source of your anger. And now it looks like it won't. And I understand that. But there is the opportunity here to come back and get it and say, you know what? But, but it's not going to happen on its own, as we, as we see here. Some things are going to need to happen. They're going to have to make it happen because there is potential for this team to be great. This year or just yeah. the players on this team no. have the potential to be great maybe in 2022? You think this year, 2021? I do. Again, because I think those guys have the potential to be all-stars this year. And I think these other young guys are going to contribute. But I do think they need that other guy. They need either a fifth rotation thing, which would probably be my number one fifth guy in the rotation who I could feel like at least could put up a hundred ERA plus and eat up 150 innings, something like that. Um, a fifth or fourth guy. I, I I'm taking Rhyme Altapia as my fourth guy in the lineup. So I'll say mm -hmm. another guy in the lineup to at least give me, you know, a 95 OPS plus or better and, and be a regular hitter could do better than that. But even that, I think you're okay. Or another reliever who's actually got some like major league credibility here. You know, I like the depth pieces and Derek Rodriguez and the guys we've talked about. You know, there's a lot, there's like six of them. Um, but you know, one other dude that's, that's got a little more of a resume. I, I could see that, you know, but like I said, no, right now I think uh, yeah, I shoot at the middle of the target. I have twice, by the way, I've been doing this since 2013. I have twice in my career picked the Rockies to win more games than they actually ended up winning each of the last two years when everybody else picked the Rockies to win more games than they actually ended up winning. So I'm sitting right now. I shoot, I try to shoot at the middle of the target. They're an 81, 81 team with no additions. And that's just, um, but I don't need, a blockbuster guy. I don't need Marcelo Zuna or, you know, the whoever, uh, who's the best pitcher available, Trevor Bauer. I don't need, I, I don't need that. You know, they announced any of those guys we talked about the other day. Hey, they just picked up CJ Crone to play first base. They're going to create a little bit of a competition between McMahon and Rogers at second. Hampson and Hilliard, you got like, oh, CJ Crone's going to rake. They've got a fifth guy to hit. Now the lineup, they've got their four there. I like the rotation, though the depth still scares the hell out of me. There are still problems, but I'm going, yeah, no, that team can, can be a, a team that only needs one or two things to go right to compete. But as it sits right now, they're missing a piece. So all I heard you say was Ryan El Tapia will not be one of the all-stars this year. That was all. No. There you <laughs> That's maybe my new He'll favorite game. Taking he just things out of context. Because you said one of the young hitters. You said McMahon. You didn't title. say Tapia. So you know what? I'm Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm just going to poke you and go so which one of mcmahon or tapia is going to be an all-star mcmahon so you're saying tapia so you're saying huh? did i predict top I five hear. or top 10 for batting average for tapia last year i may have said top five and if i did i i missed it but he was ninth in the national league um so he'll win a batting title maybe not this year he'll hit over 300 in mlb you're saying <laughs> not, sure, not that in major league not, baseball i just said just we want the, the national league back. Oh, so he's Nationally. not getting traded. No. 
All right. So if he wins it, in, if he ever wins it in the KBO, you can't take credit for that. No count. Okay. No count. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Which we hope it doesn't come to that. We don't want anyone to leave the states. Stay no. here in America. That means you're doing something right. They need those. They need that guy, man. That's an important part of every offense they've ever had that's been successful. They need their Dexter Fowler, Eric Young Jr., Willie Tavares, Kaz Matsui. They need that guy. They need their. Hey, bring, bring up KBO. Did uh, we don't think we mentioned on the podcast for anyone who didn't see, uh, who doesn't follow us on Twitter? You need to be at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, as well as at DNVR Rockies. Wes Parsons, Colorado Rockies, starting pitcher, former reliever, became a starting pitcher again, yeah. signed in Korea with yeah. my world champion, KBO champs, NC Dinos. So he signed a nice little. One year deal that you look at it and you say, oh, for like six hundred thousand dollars, why would he do that? Well, because at best, if he makes the Rockies, he's making five hundred fifty. Maybe yeah. he's making six hundred thousand, but that's if he plays the entire season. Right. Whereas now it's guaranteed, and he gets to stay the starting pitcher. So, yeah. congratulations yeah. to Wes Parsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sure. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening into this episode of the podcast. Let us know what you thought. Let us know your memories from that 2010 season, the epic collapse and the way that it impacted you. Uh, the memories of Ubaldo Jimenez and the no hitter and him starting the all-star game and how great cargo was all of it. And, and let me know if you think I'm completely off my rocker to compare in any way, these two teams though, by the numbers, they, they look very similar. Maybe, Maybe I'm stretching there. Maybe not. Or maybe, just maybe, this current club a little closer to being a 500 team than than you think, for whatever that's worth. So thanks for listening in. Make sure, as Patrick said, you're following on social media. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks, a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. And you get to hang out with us in the Discord chat where we're talking about music and pro wrestling and TV shows and movies and all kinds of fun stuff, along with all of the sports. I've been hanging out with the Avs guys because I've been getting into hockey. Whatever it is, we're a big, happy family. We want to make more big, happy family members. So come hang out with us. Subscribe to the DNVR.com and keep being absolutely awesome out there. I promise you we will keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.